Welcome to another powerful word from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church in the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Oh, have you found John? John chapter 5. This morning we're going to be talking about what we know. What we know. Yeah, uh, and so uh, we're going to start off uh, here before we get to John chapter 5. Let me give you a picture here of what happened at the Last Supper in John the 13th chapter, verse 23. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Wouldn't it be great to be called the disciple that Jesus loved? Yeah, man. You know, scholars generally agree that John is writing this about himself. You know, uh, he's humble and he's modest and he's saying, you know, there was there at the table one of the disciples leaning on Jesus. It was the disciple that Jesus loved. And uh, you have probably seen this depicted in different paintings and pictures. And, and certainly we believe it was John. That John, writing this about himself, wanting to be humble, wanting to be modest, but nonetheless wanting to make sure that that was included in the picture for, for, for a reason. But just because Jesus loved John, and he did, he loved all his disciples, you know, just because Jesus loved John and John felt special did not necessarily mean that John was perfect. Y'all realize that? Jesus loves you. You can, you know, extrapolate. Okay. Um, in fact, in John's early life as a disciple, we find John to be a little intolerant. We find him to be ambitious. And we find him to be a little vindictive. Isn't that interesting about John? Because we see John writing here in the Gospel of John and also in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. We see John here, you know, as this kind, gentle, meek, mild, wonderful, pastoral, caring, loving, the guy that wrote more about love than anybody else, a special kind of love, an agape love, the love, oh, so we see him writing this, and by the way, we're going to be in 1 John, uh, um, not the Gospel of John, I apologize, I misspoke a little earlier, okay, uh, I do believe that is correct, yes. Uh, but in, in John's life, John went through a metamorphosis. You know, we see John saying to Jesus, Hey, listen, can I sit on your right hand and your left hand? You know, me one one place and my brother in the other? A bit ambitious. Probably got that from his mother. Because his mother also asked that question. Hey, can my boys sit one of them on one side and one on the other side whenever you get to your kingdom and you're sitting on the throne? Can they sit on either side of you? You know, a bit ambitious, don't you think? Yeah. In fact, John even interrupted Jesus 
while Jesus was telling John, I'm going to go to the cross and I'm going to be beaten and I'll be crucified, John said, hold that thought just a moment. Hey, can I sit beside you in your kingdom? A little ambitious, perhaps. John also came to Jesus and said, we saw some people out there. They were praying and casting out devils in your name and they're not a part of our group. I'm going to stop them. I'm going to forbid them. A little intolerant of people that were not a part of their group, you know. A little prejudice, perhaps. You know, they're not one of us. You know, John was the one that said, hey, you know, those people don't like us. Shall I call fire down out of heaven and burn them up? <laughs> Jesus said, oh, John, you don't even, you don't understand where that's coming from in your life you know come on John that's not what we do so this picture that we have of John you know this wonderful meek mild you know great humble modest guy that's writing to us about the love of Jesus is an accurate picture of John as he matured as he grew as, as, as he got older. Uh, because once we get to the period in John's life where John is writing the Gospel of John, to where John is writing 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, John is perhaps 98 years old. He might have been 95, he might have been 93. But the scholars go all the way up to 98 years old. So from the time that John agreed to walk with Jesus, and from the time that John said, shall we call fire down out of heaven? You know, hey, they're not like us. They're not of us. Shall we forbid them? You know, uh, from that time that John was ambitious, intolerant, vindictive, until the time that John writes to us is perhaps seven decades. So when he writes, he's looking back on 60 or 70 years, inspired by the Holy Spirit to remember and record events that took place perhaps 60 years to 70 years earlier. Are you with me in this picture? You see, time went along. Now, life happens. Many of you are older and wiser than you used to be. How many of you would not do something today or say something today the way you would have done it or would have said it 60 years ago? <laughs> oh, Ten years ago, two years ago, five years ago. All of us. You see, John changed. John, a lot in his life changed. Why? Because he was spending time with Jesus. Not only the three and a half years he walked with Jesus in his earthly life and ministry, but also the commitment that he made to give his life to Jesus. 
and the time that John spent following what he believed Jesus would want him to do all of those years made a different man out of John. You know, life does not always change people for the better. But time with Jesus does. Hello. I know people who are older and meaner. I know people who are older and, uh, you know, not as bright. I know people that are, uh, you know, have just gotten worse with age. Life does not always change people for the better. Time does not always change people for the better. But spending time with Jesus will change your life for the better. John is an example of that, and uh, I am as well, and any of you who have walked with Jesus, who made a commitment like John did, he made a commitment and he began to follow Jesus. He was just a young fisherman. He was a young boy in the Galilee, you know, and he, he was, you know, cleaning nets with his father, and Jesus said, come and follow me. And so, okay, I'm going to follow you. But even after his decision to follow Jesus, it still took time following Jesus to find out what pleased Jesus. And then it took time in John's life for him to harness himself. And, to, and, and, and as the Apostle Paul said, I crucify my flesh daily. I renew my mind. I bring my body into subjection. And day by day, I am being changed little by little, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. I am being changed into the image of God's dear Son. Oh, what, what great pictures in the Word of God about the metamorphosis that takes place in our life when we put our life in God's hands and we give him time and we give him something to work with. Well, you know, John, by the time he writes 1 John, John uh, is, is a lifetime removed from that young fisherman. And now he's become a fisher of men, just like Jesus told him he would. When he first said, follow me. Uh, this elder apostle, who is old by now, the last living apostle of the Lamb, he sits down to write a letter to you and to me. He's writing us a letter from the perspective of someone who has been following Jesus for decades. Someone who knew Jesus personally. Someone who walked with him and talked with him and, and saw the miracles and had firsthand experience with the Son of God incarnate. Now, as the last living witness to this ministry, John is writing this letter to us. And let's... Let's see, let's listen to the truth, and let's find out what he knew 
So hopefully, we can know the same thing. In 1 John 5, instead of the Gospel of John, it's 1 John 5, verse number 10, John writes this. All who believe in the Son of God know. I want you to pay attention to how many times the word know is found. All who believe in the Son of God know. They know in their hearts that what I'm about to say is true. That the testimony is true. That what I'm saying is real. Those of you who know the Son of God in your hearts, you hear what John is saying differently than someone else. Someone who does not know Jesus in their heart, they can't hear this truth that is, that is falling upon us as we read the, 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 this testimony. It, it comes to me as truth. It bathes me. It washes me. It makes sense to me. It feeds me. It does something different to us who know the Son of God than it does to those who do not know the Son of God. It can sound like a fairy tale to some. It can sound like a lie to others. It can sound like wishful thinking. It can sound like a mental crutch. It can sound like, like just a, a folklore to others. But to those who know the Son of God, and in their hearts they know Him, Whew, this sounds like truth. It's different. Those who don't believe this, those who don't believe what the gospel, what John is saying, are actually calling God a liar because they don't believe what God has testified about His Son. Verse 11, And this is what God has testified he has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. That's what people don't believe when they don't know Him. When they don't know Him, they don't believe it, and they're calling God a liar. And they're saying, you're not telling us the truth. You're saying that you have made your Son Jesus our Savior, and we don't believe it. We believe you are lying. Wow. Verse 12. John says, this elder apostle says, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. He's talking about the life that is eternal and, 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 and the life that is restoring our hope, our joy, that, that from this life rises a, 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 a heartfelt knowledge that what he is saying is true. This is why one person that you meet can, can believe the Bible and the next person you meet can say it's a lie. It's because one of them knows the author and one of them doesn't. Verse 13, I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. That's me. <laughs> I mean, you know, hopefully that's you. He's written this. If you believe in the Son of God, He's written this to you. Okay? Let's take it personal. 
You know, I, I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know. There's that word know again. So that you may know you have eternal life. Well, I do. <laughs> People ask me, are you sure you're born again? Yep. I know that I am. I have heard from God. It's true to, you know, it's not just true to me. It's true to everyone that believes in the Son of God. That we have been given eternal life. Do you know the weight that that took off my mind? You know, almost, not everyone, but almost every person at a counter whenever I am purchasing uh, something uh, or at a drive-thru and if they ask me how are you doing I tell them almost the same thing every time I am doing great I am at the top of my game ever since I got that heaven and hell thing settled everything else is gravy I'm on my way to heaven come on <laughs> I probably won't live more than a hundred more years, and I could do that on my head for eternity in heaven. Glory to God, what could man do to me? Whew. Verse 14, and we are confident, I'm confident, wow. That he hears us whenever we ask anything, whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. You know, I am sure of that. I am sure that every time I ask God for something that pleases him, he's listening to me. Every time I ask God for something according to his will, he hears me. I'm confident of that. Verse 15. And since we know he hears us when we make our request, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. That's called faith. I have faith. It comes from you know, the same place it comes in your life. We know Jesus Christ in our hearts, and we believe this stuff. It's not I'm trying to believe it. It's that I do believe it. It's, it's, it's what I believe. If I ask anything according to the will of God... He hears me, and I know that if he hears me, when I'm asking for things that please him, he's going to grant my petitions that I ask of him. Verse 16. If you see a Christian brother or sister sinning in a way that does not lead to death, you should pray, and God will give that person life. Do you know you can pray for other people? Do you know that God will forgive them if you pray for them? That's a pretty good deal. But there is a sin that leads to death, and I'm not saying that you should pray for those who commit it. I don't know what that means. Verse 17. <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> it's true. All wicked actions are sin. I do believe that one too. And anybody that does tell you that they know what that means? <laughs> nah. They're selling something. Uh, all wicked actions lead to sin. Well, all wicked actions are sin. But not every sin leads to death. Praise God. I'm glad about that one. Okay? Aren't you glad about that one, Rustin? Yes, sir. Yes, I know that you are. <laughs> and I pray for you all the time. <laughs> and one of my prayers is, God, forgive Rustin of his sins. <laughs> I'm serious. 
You know, I don't get up. This morning it took me 45 minutes before I could get up because I've committed myself to praying for people. And y'all won't quit coming to my mind. <laughs> okay, verse 18. We know. We know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning for God's Son holds them securely, and the evil one, the devil, cannot touch them. Okay? That's a pretty good deal. God's kids don't go around practicing sin. Yeah. Because we have this secure hold in our hearts so that the devil is, is, is no longer able to dominate us or deceive us. Verse 19. We know. That we are children of God and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. Boy, that's something I know. I believe that one too. I believe I'm a child of God and I believe the world around me <laughs> is controlled by the devil. Oh, all you got to do is, you know, turn on one of the news broadcasts and you can see the world around you is controlled by the evil one. But I'm a child of God, and the world around me lies in wickedness. Verse 20, and we know that, God, that, that the Son of God has come, and He has given us understanding so that we can know the true God. You know, Jesus has come, and He's given me an understanding. He's, he's helped me to realize that I can know the true God. You know, I can know Him. And now we live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God, and He is eternal life. I believe that. It hits me. If, if that does not hit you with truth... If, if you're having, you know, uh, 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 wrestling with whether that's a lie or not, you need to be born again, saved. Invite Jesus into your heart. Because if the Son of God lives in your heart, these things will begin to, to, to lead you down a path of confidence in the Scriptures. Confidence in the Word. Okay. Verse 21, this is where we were getting to. I may have to preach the second part of this next week. Because verse 21, I said all that to get to here, to what John, the elder John, you know, old John. John that was, you know, a knothead in his young ministry life, following Jesus, finding out what was, you know, acceptable, not acceptable, all everything else. He gets to this point. He's saying all this. And finally, in life, he's writing this to you. He says to you, dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. Keep away from anything that might take God's place, that might get between you and God might get in front of God, might become more important than God in your life. Well, since we know what we know, we should know enough to stay away from things 
that are trying to take the place of God, that are becoming more important than God in our lives. You know, um, approximately four decades ago, I read this in earnest for the first time. And I wanted to know what are the things that could get in front of God? What are the things that could take God's place in my life? I wanted to be aware. I wanted to be on guard. I wanted to be careful. And so I began to search in my life and, and search from the experiences and reading the Word of God and seeing what tricked and, and trapped and tempted and tested, deceived others. And, 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 and I began to observe and I came up with five things that I believe motivate people. I'll say them rather quickly today for the sake of time, but I don't want to leave you without at least knowing the things that want to take God's place in your life. And each one of these things is a blessing from God. But whenever we turn our blessings into God's, Whenever we start worshiping what God has given us instead of the God that gave it, then we begin to put something in God's place. When we take what God has blessed us with and put it on a divine pedestal, begin to worship it, pay homage to it, obey it, follow it, let it dictate to our lives, when when something that God has given us, we feel like it becomes the source of our life, the source of our joy, the source of our peace, the source of our hope. We've put it in God's place. Each one of these things that I found that were motivations for me and are motivations for everyone, I believe, you know, uh, um, are also temptations. You know, I've taught these to my grandchildren. In fact, I, I dare say I could, I, I could ask my grandson to come up here, and he hasn't, you know, uh, we haven't talked about this, and I, and I imagine he could rattle them off to you. One of these five things, one or more, is going to motivate you. Love. Love is one of them. One of the gifts of God is love. God, God gives us love. God loves us, and he gives us love. And the Bible says God is love. But many people mistake it. And instead of saying God is love, they say love is God. Hello? Because the Bible tells us there are a lot of things in this life we should not love. Love not the world, neither the things of the world. For all that's in the world is an enemy of God. You know? God gave us sleep. The Bible says love not sleep, lest thou come to poverty. You know, there are a lot of things that we should not love. The Bible says that Samson fell in love with Delilah. Yeah, he should have avoided that one. You know, uh, the Bible says it's the love of money that is the root of all evil. 
If you want to know these scripture references, you can go to ezsermons.com or go to our app, our church app, and you can download these, and every one of these has a scripture reference connected to them, everything I'm saying. But let me tell you that misplaced love is a recipe for disappointment. Don't put love in the place of God. Don't let love, don't start worshiping love as though love were God. Number two, sex. God gave sex. The Bible, it's the first commandment that God gave to Adam and Eve. Be fruitful and multiply. Replenish the earth. He knew what he was talking about. Sex outside of the marriage covenant, however, is sin. Let me be very plain. If you start putting sex in place of God and start making your pursuit of your sexual ambitions or appetites or cravings in the place of God, you will be in sin. They will take God's place. And this is what John is writing to us. John is writing this elder saying, listen, don't let anything take the place of God. Sex is the way a person can, can talk about another person, touch another person, feel about another person, think about another person, that if you're not in the covenant of marriage, it is sin. And sin separates us from the blessings of God. It's not just okay. Uh, you know, uh, again, God is the one that gave the blessing of sex. And he wanted Adam and Eve to have sex. But God does not want sex to have you. Hello. Money. Now, money in and of itself is neither good nor bad. But it's how we use it. And 1 Timothy tells us that we should be willing to distribute ready to give you know uh jesus said you cannot serve two masters either you will love the one and hate the other or you'll you'll, you'll be faithful to one and unfaithful to the other and he said i am talking about god and money okay money god wants you to have money but he does not want money to have you and if you make money your God and money your pursuit, if you worship money and money is the most important thing in your life, and if you'll separate relationships and, and friendships and, 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 and uh, you know, if you care more about money than you care about God and God's goals, then you have let money take the place of God. Power. God gives us power. The Bible says in Luke 10 that I've given you power over serpents and scorpions, over all the power of the enemy. Yeah, thank God for the power that God gives us. Uh, but God expects us to use the power we have. God expects us to use the abilities he has given us to serve people, not to become their lords. If you want to be great, the Bible says, then you must become the servant of all. God wants to increase our power. He wants to increase our, our, our authority. He wants to in, in, increase our abilities, but not to make you some, some icon, some Lord. There are so many people today who have put power in place of God. My abilities, my strength, my stubbornness that God would 
would add to it. And getting hooked up to the wrong power source because your power comes from a source, some source, okay? And you know like I know, if you plug into the wrong source, you're getting, you know, the power can destroy you. Your power comes from some source. If that source is not God, guess who it is? Love, sex, money, power, and number five, position. We have to be very careful because Jesus said that the pride of life is an enemy of God. This word pride of life, it's the Greek word, life is the Greek word bios. It means livelihood. It means basically our biography, our bio. Do you know there's a reason why people should not write, you know, their own autobiographies? Oh, never mind. That was a joke. Instead of biographies, many times they become liographies. I, I coined that word about three weeks ago. A liography. You know, they just tell all the good parts. They embellish it and they just do, you know, I mean, that's what Proverbs 25, 27 says. And uh, many times, uh, you know, uh, in Acts 5, uh, here, uh, you know, uh, Ananias and his wife Sapphira were writing their own narrative. They were lying and they went in and said, oh, look what we did. You know how many people say, look what we, why? Because they want some position. They want a position in life. They want to be well thought of. They want, they, they want to be in charge. They, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, lying to get a job is wrong. You're putting it in front of God. Lying to get more back on your income tax is wrong, by the way. Okay? But many people lie to obtain or to retain a position in life. Lying on a job application to get a position. It's very common. But these are the things that we, if we're not watchful, can put in front of God. Put in God's place. God has given us position. God has given us power. God has given us love, sex, and money. They are gifts from God. They are never meant to become our God. And that's what John was writing to us. All who believe in the Son of God, 1 John 5, 10, know in their hearts that this testimony is true. What I have just said is the truth. And you know it is the truth. Verse 19, and we know that we are the children of God and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. And we don't need to act like we are under the control of the evil one. We need to make sure that the blessings that God has given us are used as blessings and don't become curses in our life. And we know that the Son of God has come, verse 20 says, and has given us understanding so that we can know the true God. And now we live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God. He is the eternal, and He is eternal life. Verse 21, we conclude with this. Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your lives. Stay away from the things that could take God's place in your life. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for another dynamic message from Pastor Ron Hammonds. 
Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.